Welcome back to the Campbell's Gambles podcast. It has been a while, hasn't it, Jason? In the terms of our SA brothers, a minute. That's how long it's been. <sighs> a minute. Has um, been. Yeah, it's good to get the uh, the microphone out, the fake microphone. We, we, we always film through the MacBook Pros, uh, <laughs> the trusting MacBooks. Um, yeah, we've, we've missed quite a few episodes there, but uh, and we've missed some absolute stunning performances from some very, very valuable Colts, Geldings and Gillies and Mares. Um, yeah, but no, it's good to get back. It's uh, be a bit rusty, this show, obviously. So if you're listening, mm. don't go too hard on us. But yeah. Uh, how have you been overall? We've been watching the um, the sales recently. Have you seen the prices of these mares and fillies that are getting sold? Uh, not particularly. I've had my I've had my eyes closely on uh, on the group ones that have been been uh, racing every weekend basically for um, throughout autumn. So I haven't been looking too much at the sales, but I think that's uh, something you're pretty interested in, Jace. Oh yes, or down the track, obviously as some of the listeners might know, and maybe not all of them, but um, we do have a few greyhounds um, and that that's obviously something down the track. I'd love to get involved. We'd love to get into the horse game, buy some tried horses and obviously, you know, five, 10, 20 years down the track, hopefully buy a few, a few mares and, and breed with them. That'd be really, really fun and hopefully profitable too. But I'm sure a lot of, a lot of headaches and hard work judging by the greyhound scene <laughs> <laughs> yeah can, um, can vouch for that i can vouch for that yeah um but yeah all right well enough enough blabber and um let's get straight into it just before we do proudly sponsored still by double uh thanks to double for uh for keeping keeping up the support with us we're um yeah we're back from a little little freshen up i think it was uh I think it was a little bit needed after the some of the shit form we've been putting up, but um, yeah, much thanks to Double. And um, if you're not already on Double, uh, give them a look up on the App Store or Google Play and download them. They're a great, uh, great new bookie, um, offering some great, great, great features on their app. So uh, yeah, have a look at Double. But um, yeah, just to recap, uh, Jason already hinted we'd missed plenty of Group One action, some massive, massive winners. Um, just recapping, our last episode was the Doncaster uh, week, which was, I believe, the 2nd of April. It was right at the start of April anyway. Um, so that day, we had the size produce, the Australian Derby, the TJ Smith Stakes, and the Doncaster. And then we've had, since then, the Australian Oaks, El Patron Escarab, Sydney Cup, Knight's Order. I uh, think it over got up in the Queen Elizabeth too. How how about that, Jace? That was a huge um a huge win and a massive massive ride by uh, Nashua Willa. Yes, I was about to say huge win, but geez, courageous ride. Probably one of the most gutsiest rides I have seen in the past two or three years of studying and watching horse racing. And I'm sure you can also uh, fall under that. Uh, Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely in the same camp. It was it was almost impossible not to get goosebumps watching that that finish where Think It Over just came right to the outside rail and and just got up. So, yeah, great ride by Nash. Um, yeah, continuing on, other Group One winners since our last episode: uh, Nimalee in Queen in the Queen of the Turf. She's extreme. Beat uh, Fireburn, who was was going for that undefeated run in the Group Ones there. Hashtag uh, how extreme was able to win the champagne. Hashtag how in the comments right now, <laughs> down below. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, Fireburn was going for the uh, triple crown, as they like to call it, the uh, 1200, 1400, 1600, and just got beat by She's Extreme. It kicked away on the turn. That was a bit of a leader bias day that day, I remember. So, yeah. definitely. Oh, sorry. Definitely. Cascadian, Cascadian was able to get up in the all age stakes. That was a huge, huge group one victory, that one. Yeah, it's good when you're on in the start before and you get held up. Thank you, Damien. <laughs> I was waiting for some some sort of complaint about this bloody horse, Jason. Boys, arch nemesis. Oh, like I think I'm pretty sure I was with you the first day, first his first run ever in in Australia. Mm. I'm like, wow, look at this yeah. thing. Like, it, it's hard not to see he had a massive bowl of face and he just looked like mm. an absolute tank of being yeah. wow, like this thing could be anything. And his first run was just like off the charts, like super unlucky. 
And then I, I have not been able to catch him in like two or three years now. It's just, it's a love-hate relationship, much like a horse we're probably going to go into later in this episode um, that is running this week at, at Eagle Farm. I think you might know. About, but, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, don't be too hard on yourself, Jace. I don't think uh, too many too many listeners either have been able to catch Cascadian very often. He hasn't been one that uh, wins out of turn. So, but um, but yeah, no, good good for him to get up in the group one there. Glen of Hope, Jungle Magnate, Snap Dancer. Uh, all winning in South Australia in the group ones. Zaki won the Hollandale, went back to back uh, quite recently. How about Marzu, the three-year-old now uh, on an Everest path, winning the Doombin 10,000? Uh, I thought that was huge and it, it sort of capped off for me um, a massive, massive sort of run of form that Marzu was, was showing, which, yeah, I thought was really phenomenal. You sound like a, a very young Greg Radley, the guy that like hosts like Formline Extra and stuff in Sky, capped off the winning path. Like this is the quotes you're using, Blake. They're quite eloquent today. I really appreciate yeah. the, the language and well, put into today's. Only, you can only say it how it is, I guess. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you, Jason. Uh, the last, the last Group One winner was Lombardo in the Goodwood. Um, I was gonna ask you if you had sort of any favourites out of all of those Group Ones. Um, favorite performances or wins um, um i will probably have to say this might be a bit of pocket talk here but but marzu i honestly thought out of all those wins marzu had every reason to lay down in the finish there where he was clearly headed at on the at the top of the straight he was not traveling whatsoever and for a horse a three-year-old horse obviously polaley came second being a three-year-old himself but Wait for age level, first time against the big boys. He, he really showed his straps and he dug deep. And, you know, there was a bit of conjecture earlier in the week, um, you know, saying, did he really deserve two years in the Everest? Not just one, but, you know, two-year contract, literally. Um, but to be fair, judging off that, now that obviously he's a gelding, the owners and Triple Crown Racing, they possibly have a literally identical version to Red Zell. Like seriously, yeah. like, it's just yeah. obviously he's not the front running type. Oh, he's not the the leader and kick on. He's he's more so box seat and, and sprint. But it's just ridiculous the similarities early in their careers. And and given Marzu can stay at, at his level if not improve, it's hard not to to think he will be one of the the main stars over the sprinting trips over the next couple of years, especially with. You know, horses like Eduardo and Nature Strip starting to reach the twilight of their careers. Yeah. He's the next one coming through. So I thought his win was top notch. Um, yeah. Other than that, obviously, think it over. More so due to the ride. I honestly could not believe the horse winning the race. Previous to the race, I was massive doubts. Um, so stick my hand up there. Yeah. Um, and then I'd say probably Nature Strip and the TJ. I love yeah. Nature Strip. Yeah. That, you got to love him. Fan favourite. Oh, yeah. So I'd say Marzu on top of the podium. And then I'd say, think it over for the ride. Second and nature ship gets the chocolates for third. What about you? Top three? Yeah, well, funny funny you uh, you mentioned those those runs, Jace, because I, I've already listed my top three uh, prior to recording this. And my top three were think it over for, like you said, the ride. I thought that was a ph- phenomenal win, especially considering sort of how much of an outsider he was and how how much his form had sort of tapered off to be able to win that um, was a massive massive win and then I had Marzu in there as well for the same reasons you outlined I think um, that that win uh, like like I said capped off a big run of form and and sort of put Marzu up there on the pedestal to say he's going to be like that horse is going to be one of the one of the leading contenders in years to come for the sprint races um, the thing I wanted to mention as well with Marzu as you were talking about the Everest is beating Paleli is a really interesting form line because Paleli was able to run third in in the Everest, so behind Nature Strip and Eduardo. So that, um, yeah, that ties in really, really nicely. And I think Paleli will be the other three-year-old um, if he continues to progress. That um, that is sort of competitive at the same age going going um, forward with Marzu. Um, the third one that that I had that was different to your suggestion of Nature Strip was on the same day Hitotsu. Um, winning the derby I thought that training performance was absolutely phenomenal basically in line with how big Hitotsu was in in Melbourne 
the prep before that. Um, like we, I remember we both potted Hitotsu then, and I was all over him uh, this time coming into the coming to Sydney for the Australian Derby. But like to be able to do that is you know prepare a horse like that with um, you know stepping up in trip like that twice is yeah I I, I thought that was was an absolutely phenomenal uh, training performance yet again. Um, by a very very astute stable so those are my top three pretty similar to you jason but um yeah enough enough reminiscing time to get into this weekend's action and uh all of the big all of the big action is is up in queensland yes eagle farm hosts the doom cup this week and that is the first race we'll be covering uh what track do you reckon we'll be playing on so soft six currently it is sunny on the day Rail isn't the mm. true, um, but what do you reckon? Do you reckon we get back into the good range, or is that am I am I going out on a limb there too much? Um, well, obviously in in Sydney, there's you know we just had nonstop rain um, on you know we've had a few days where it subsides for a bit and then just sort of pours back down again. So yeah, if it's been similar in Queensland, I wouldn't expect it to get too close to a good surface. Um, but given they haven't had much racing at Eagle Farm, they've had like obviously Doombin's been washed out and they've had racing at Doombin prior to that. Um, I think Eagle Farm should be in fairly decent condition. So I, I wouldn't expect it to be uh, too bad. I think soft six is pretty fair. And yeah, if, if the weather holds up uh, for now until Saturday and throughout the uh, meeting on Saturday, yeah, I can see it sticking around sort of a soft five, soft six, but I, I, yeah, I think it'd be hopeful to suggest that it gets into the good range. I think the track's going to look like magic ground on like Sunday when <laughs> all the rain and all, the, all and all the work's been <laughs> put through it and it just looked like shit. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, if this, if this track has like a, a good grass coverage by the times the group ones are up, I'd be pretty shocked to be honest with mm. you. Like I think it'll chop out. Um, yeah, I don't think it'll look nice and it might be a little bit sticky underfoot. So I think you want horses that, first of all, Eagle Farm is a, every track to some degree is horses for courses, but I think Eagle Farm is one of the more so, um, what would the word be, important ones. Uh, it's really firm underfoot, but now with the rain, it sort of just makes it a bit weird. It's just, mm. it just stays on top, whereas on the actual, the surface level's wet, but the bottom's like still rock hard. So it's a weird one, but mm. We'll move forward. Zaki, Doombin Cup at Eagle Farm. We love that. That's what the rain does for us. Um, race five, wait for age level. Group one, obviously, over the 2100. Uh, barrier 10, $1.35 favourite with our good mates, the purple team at Dabble. Uh, Jay Mack on. Where does Zaki get to here, Blake? Say that again. Where does our good friend Zaki, where does he get to on the map? Where do you, where do you have him mapped? Go forward. Oh well, well, I think he, I think he lead, has to lead from from gate ten. I don't think J Mac will be messing around. Mm. Um, whether or not he gets across easily or how easily he gets across um, will depend on how eager the other jockeys are to try and mess with J Mac and and Zaki's run. Um, because I think if Zaki gets across easily and leads easily, it's pretty much run and done by then mm, i agree what about yonkers i see you have a bit of a bit of money flooded on yonkers already why do you like yonkers? yeah um yeah well i well i just thought like although you know zaki zaki won the hollandale like i mentioned before um and it was basically against the same field or you know a lot of the horses that are towards the top of the market raced against zaki and Zaki's really, really the only proven weight for age horse in this field. But at a dollar forty, even if you back him, like you're getting a forty percent return on a hundred percent investment. It's it just it just doesn't really seem worth it to me. Like obviously he's probably going to win um, more likely than not, but a dollar forty says the same thing. So you're not really getting any any value there, in my opinion. So I just thought um, I'll have a look outside of that form line. Um, two horses that I think could potentially get some good runs or um, or just, you know, run a, run a drum and, and fill the placings or if Zaki, for whatever reason, doesn't turn up, might be there 
um, to pinch victory. But um, yeah, it was more of just a hopeful, hopeful uh, scatter of money than than anything else. Do you do you have any do you have any sort of um, ideas away from Zaki, or are you just all Zaki? Yeah, I don't mind Yonkers here. I think that different form line could pose a threat. Um, still a bit dirty. I didn't back him last time, so I thought coming off that Neville Selwood run was a complete forgive on an absolute, absolute bottomless track. But the start prior, five lengths off in a Group One weight for age Australian Cup, well, that's pretty solid form lines for for a Group mm-hmm. Three Eagle Farm. Um, I'm with Kukarachi here on a place bet. So call me what you want, viewers, listeners, whoever you are, whatever you are. Um, love his form at the track here. As I said, as I mentioned about five minutes ago, I think the, the track form has to be really respected. Uh, he had a Queensland Derby preparation um, last time in, around this time of the year. Uh, ran third in the 1,600-metre Queensland Guineas behind Private Eye and Apache Chase, who go around in the Group 1 uh, race Kingsford Smith later in the day. Then he ran second in the rough habit played up to 2,000 metres. Uh, then he obviously won the Queensland Derby last year at fourth one level over the 2,400 on this track against a Hong Kongese horse, Senor Toba. Um, I think that run in the Hollandale probably wasn't... I think Zaki was the run of the race considering they went above standard and he was leading and he was able to still kick away and win. However, as Blake already alluded to, $1.40, not much value there. When I'm getting about 280 to place for Kukaracha on double, uh, yeah. Barrier 5 looks good. Step up to the trip now looks perfect, and he is fourth up, has that fitness under his belt. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's a winner fourth up last prep at Group 1 level at this track. So I can't really I – I think he can run a good race, um, and I think he's definitely a top top three chance. Other one at odds, quickly, the outsider of the field, I've got to say this, and I really do hope, that I can put my voice over a replay of him just drowning them. SD Fenny at, at a big price. This might be stupid. This horse hasn't won in 189 weeks. However, I'm going to have a little dabble at, oh, no pun intended, at $71 and $8 a place. I just feel like he's coming through a complete different form line. Maloney gets mm-hmm. a board for Maddie Smith, who only comes up to Brisbane when he's got something good. I know he's only coming out of group threes and listed races. However, he's got a long way back on tracks such as Bendigo, Caulfield and Wagga on Cup Day, where it was a little bit leader bias. I think now stepping up a little bit more in trip on a much wider track. Uh, this is weight for age level and he's weighted poorly for this. But if there's a mar- I'm going to say this, if there's a market where if someone wants to make a custom market for this horse not to finish last, I'm on. I'm on. I'm on. But I don't reckon he'll finish last. Honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a horse like Maximal, Cobentino, Bale, something just drops out. I reckon he'll run actually, he might run fifth or sixth. But anyway, move on. Blake, who do you like? We'll have to, we'll have to get on to double with that one. Maybe they can maybe they can pop something. I've always up. wanted that. Like I've always seen like horses at 100 to 1 and thinking, geez, that's got to beat that horse home. Yeah. I want to get yeah, a no, I, I, yeah. not to finish last. You know, it's like to beat the field, like favorite or field. Mm. I want yeah. like literally la- like rocks or diamonds type thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I think I think Fenn is potentially backable at the price, just you know, to have a spec. But the way I played the race, um, which is a hint for the for our competition later, but the horses that I'm obviously going to mention are the ones that I'm playing. Um, I, I just I just wanted to side with Waller here. Um, I know obviously he's just completely dominated again in in the in the Group Ones this season, um, and I thought they all set up. Well, they they all created generated some interest for me here. You already um, spoke enough about Kukaracha, so I don't need to really add much to that. Yonkers, I think, from Barrier One with Bowman aboard. Bowman's got an incredible record on Yonkers: nine starts for four wins and and another minor placing. And with Barrier One, um, I know Jason, you said, and and I think it's more than likely that the track will chop out. But if for whatever reason the inside is still okay or whatever. Yonkers is guaranteed to get that run of the race. Like I, I don't, I can't see Bowman letting another horse cross apart from Zaki. Um, and I see him going straight for the back of Zaki. And if Zaki does kick on the turn, Yonkers is going to be the one on his back um, coming around heels at $34 and five to place. That's, that's a pretty good spe- a pretty good map for him. And then great house as well is really interesting as um, William Pike, can never rule him out uh, over these longer trips. 
uh, he's he's an expert jockey over these trips. Um, Waller Waller again, uh, same reason that I'm interested here. But Numerian is an interesting form line. Numerian and and um, you go back three runs, third to Stockman and uh, Mount Popper. I, I found that a, a bit of an interesting form line because Zaki ran uh, second in the Queen Elizabeth and Mount Popper ended up running third. Obviously there was a, there was a big gap there, but um, if we're looking at horses to run a drum behind Zaki, then that's, um, that's a really interesting form line to draw there. I thought so those three Waller horses, the fact that they're trained by Chris Waller and they have those, um, those factors in their favor, I thought I could, um, yeah, have a little play mixing those three in uh, to place. And I had a few each way as well, just in case, but uh, mostly to place, I think. What happened to Stockman and Mount Popper? Like, they wouldn't look out of place in a race like this. Like, to yeah. be fair, it's probably one of the weakest group one weight parade races you'll see in your life. But <laughs> yeah, because a lot of these horses are just benchmark horses six months ago. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. We'll move on. Race eight. Do you want to take us away, Blake? It's the Derby. It's the Derby. Mm, the big one. So, yeah, last episode we, we did a Derby and we're doing another one, but this time we're further up north. So we've got the Queensland Derby over 2,400 metres for the three-year-olds, uh, group one level, obviously. We don't talk about races that aren't for, at group one level. So um, we've got Dark Destroyer heading the market. Um, obviously has, has shown good ability. He won the Rough Habit Plate, um, which... Jason already mentioned as a form line uh, previously and was second in the Queensland Guineas, arguably a little bit unlucky over 1,600 metres before that um, and is around the $4 mark favourite. So um, what do you think, Jason? What do you think about the market? And do you think that that form line is the right form line uh, with Dark Destroyer and obviously Paternal second favourite coming out of the same form line? Yes, well... As you know, um, last year, Kukaracha came out of that form line. I think that is the form line. It has been the form line for a long time. And I just can't see how these horses coming up from New South Wales or provincial form lines can stack up at this level currently. Um, I really don't want to get involved with any other runner than those horses coming through those races. And the runner I am going to get involved with here, and I see Blake's tip, um, and it pains me to go against it because I was so keen on it at Goulburn one day and it, it won for us. And then I was keen on it in the Frank Packer play and it was probably one of the better fourths you'll see in your life. Jumped off last time, 31 to 1, far out. Shouldn't swear. Um, far out, yeah. Great run, great run. However, <laughs> however, big build up for nothing. Southern stock for me. Southern stock for me. Um, hear me out here. Hear me out here. He is drawn poorly. Let's get that off the bat. He did go forward last time and, and was one of the few on-speed runners to really tough it out on a testing track, really testing track. I think this horse will run 2,400, which is one of the which is half the battle with, with, a, with a majority of the horses. Um, and I feel like he, out of the horses, will absolutely relish getting back on a good track. I know he has won on a heavy eight track previously, and he has beat Red Wave, who is also in this race. But I feel like he's a horse that will relish getting back on a firmer deck if you look at his run in the Queensland Guineas, it was a very eye-catching run from a bad barrier. Um, and Cassidy's stuck really strong with his horse. He's ridden in every single race to date. I have no doubt that this is the absolute... This is probably the race he picked out for his horse for at least six months now, I'd, I'd assume. Not saying that the, the other horses haven't been put into that category either, but the mm -hmm. blinkers going on here first time. I feel like he is a horse that could really relish the blinkers going on. Um, so seven stock for me again around that $14, $15 mark uh, with Dabble. And that was probably the reason why I went with him instead of the runner that Blake is going to talk about right now. Yeah. Well, uh, good segue there, Jason. Thanks for that. I'm going to, I'm going to be kicking up for paternal here oh, uh, out of that form line that you, that you agreed, Jason was, um, was the best form line leading into this race. Um, I think, I looked, I did, I did briefly uh, look at the horse that you mentioned, Southern Stock, Jason, and I did see the blinkers going on, um, which made me a little nervous to be going with Paternal here. But I just thought the margin uh, that Paternal had and and closing off very strongly uh, through the line would would be enough to see him maintain the lead, I guess, uh, with Southern Stock in this race. Um, obviously, the prices are. Uh, 
skewed. But um, but yeah, I thought Paternal could still still win that contest. I, I was I was comparing Paternal and Dark Destroyer, who were ob- the, the obvious two horses out of that race. Um, and the thing I noticed with Dark Destroyer was two starts ago when he was he drew barrier four and had a cozy run on the rail and then came off heels in the straight. He ran on well, but he didn't explode like we saw Paternal explode last time um, hunting, hunting up the rail. Um, so my suspicion is that Dark Destroyer doesn't possess the same turn of foot that Paternal does. And if that's true, it, 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 it stands true looking at his last start where he had he circled the field, found the front pretty early, and then was able to hold on to that, um, that winning margin only just um, in fairness, only by 0.2 of a length, but was able to win. I think from barrier one, he might find trouble getting held up somewhere uh, in the run. And even if he does get the breaks, which obviously he's going to need a luck, I think he might struggle to show this, the same turn of foot that potentially Paternal will. And obviously if they're both drawn barrier one and three, you've got Bowman aboard a Waller trained horse and you've got Weatherly aboard an O'Sullivan Scott trained horse. Naturally I'm leaning towards the Waller and Bowman combination already, but the fact that he's riding a horse that I think will have a better sh- turn of acceleration if it comes down to that um, was the reason that I lent Paternal's way and obviously getting a better price there stepping up slightly in trip as well. And Paternal was closing uh, on the lines. So there are a few factors there that had me leaning away Paternal. And obviously that was the flashing light run out of the race. So um, Paternal is the way that I lent mainly. The second horse I want to mention just away from that form line is Kabosh. I think that's how you pronounce it. Obviously another Waller trained horse is sounding like a broken record now, um, just backing all the Waller, the Waller horses. Um, but J-Mac on board, um, this horse has run really well its last two starts over the um, the longer trips, which I, I find really interesting because he had a 1,300-meter run, went straight up to 1,800 meters and then to 2,200 meters and has performed really, really well in both of those runs. Obviously, the form lines aren't necessarily as strong as this, but I don't think there are, like, you know, hugely strong form lines in this race. Like, they've all been racing each other, three-year-olds in – obviously the highest three-year-old company that's racing at the moment, but there's no sort of comparison outside of that. Um, so I think Kabosh coming into this um, can potentially measure up here. And with J-Mac and Chris Waller combination, I think um, there's worse you can do than have something on him at almost double figure odds. So those are the two that I've um, I've singled out and nothing else from you, Jace. I've sat Kabosh. Sorry about that. <laughs> I was on him last night at five to one. We're very confident. Thought he was a great bet coming back from a stepping up in distance. Um, off the cheese, it was a nice trial. I don't know if you watched that trial when you're doing the form on him. Mm-hmm. Well, it was a very nice trial in between runs. Jeez, he had every chance the other day. And I've got to say it, I don't think he's got to run out a strong trip. Because um, I looked at, as obviously, when, you, when, you, when you've backed the runner previously, when you look at first glimpse of the, of the horses in it, they just stand out like sore thumb. And little kibosh was right there. So... Yeah, obviously going going back to his own age group, it has to go up four kilos, you know. But he gets J Mac, Chris Waller, as you said. I love how you kept saying Chris Waller a broken record. I just looked at your tips for the next race. Jeez, here we go. <laughs> C Waller appears again. C Waller only run up. So that's another good segue for myself. I'm getting good with these segues. Mm. What well, are we uh, yeah. Kingsford. Segway, segway it is. Uh the Kingston Smith race nine. At Eagle Farm, the uh, the final Group One that we'll be uh, analysing here for Saturday. Um, it's over thirteen hundred meters, uh, obviously Group One level, and and it's it's honestly a really really strong field. I I feel anyway. I I really really liked this race when I when I looked at it. Um, did you feel the same? Yeah, no, like it's. Honestly, this race is as strong as some of the races that were in the autumn of Sydney, mm. Sydney autumn. Yeah. As some would like to say, I just a very illiterate person. Um, <laughs> yeah, like you got group one winners call or starting at the top, private eye, working all the way down the bottom to so I say Brooklyn Hustle. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, who is the group one winner? This is this might be the dumbest thing I've said in my life. On Trivier, that's where it stops. No, yeah. Nick and Nova's won a group one. No, he hasn't. Okay, continue. 
<laughs> I'll, I'll I'll proceed. Um, yeah, well, you've you've already you've mentioned a few few of those horses there, Jason. But um, sort of at the top of the market, if we go in market order, we got a trivia heading the market. That was a huge uh, run last time uh, behind Marzu and Palel was in the same race. We we touched on that earlier in the podcast. Um, Palel, the three year old, taking on the older horses here, and is well. There's a few other three year olds in the race, but all of them are basically been written off by the market so i'd suggest i'd go as far as to say that it's palel versus the older horses here which um which is to me going to be a really really interesting battle um jay mac aboard for cummings um barrier eight it's it's a nice setup for him but um you know me and my um my theories about three-year-olds taking on older horses um in wait for age companies so yeah it'll be interesting to see if i'm proven wrong here but um I've 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 kind of gone against myself too. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the turnout is. Where, which which way are you looking in the race, Jason? He's got a funny name. Every time I see his name, Prudel. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> gives me gives me a giggle. That's really unprofessional of myself. Uh, I am with God. The uh, what was it? Two thousand and twenty. Um, Three-year-old Magic Millions runner-up that then got pushed forward to winner because Alligator Blood was high on God knows what. Um, <laughs> eleven, eleven. As some would, as some would know him. I, I know him as the other one. The first, the first thing I was talking about. I thought it was really good in the Hortensia Stakes at Scone listed level. Uh, obviously, it's a listed race going into a, a weight for age Group One race, um, and he's obviously unproven at Group One uh, level, but. That's a pretty, I thought that was a pretty strong race. Volpine, group three winner. Mr. Mosaic, pretty strong. Rangers, probably not as strong. But carrying 61 kilos, got back, carrying nine of 11, hit the line well enough in a slowly run affair. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. First up record, never had a win first up. Eight starts for nothing, literally two thirds. So running fourth there, he's going as good as ever. Second up stats, that's where he gets his win. He's had two wins second up. Track stats, two starts, both. Running second and third to that horse, Alligator Blood. Um, Alligator Blood, geez, it was a good horse like about two or three years mm -hmm. ago, but now obviously his name hasn't really been given the same justice. But that's yeah. that was that's great form line. Um, Bowman, I find it really interesting. He's really stuck fat with this horse ever since he won that million dollar race on the Gold Coast, um, beating Holyfield and Apache Chase. So that really does spruik my attention. He's already beat Apache Chase, who is going to be one of the more favored runners in this market, open market, mm -hmm. albeit. Um, and he beat him fair and square over the 1,400 metres at Gold Coast. I think the 1,400 at Eagle Farm is going to suit him even more down to the ground. Just think he's in a good mindset, this horse, and uh, getting back on a firm track will do him the world of good. Probably a soft five by race day. 11-11, and um, other one, I'd probably say, oh, God, it pains me. There she is. Baby, <sighs> baby Brooklyn. Baby Brooklyn. To be fair, this is oh. probably, this is probably her, her best setup. You know, she, she was a winner 1,300 in the Dane Ripper uh, this time last year uh, at Eagle Farm where she came down the outside and Willow just just pushed her to victory, really. Um, and then in the Tats Tiara, she was nowhere to be seen. But oh, she pops up and knocks me off. Jeez, I won't be happy because I've got to struggle not to have money on her. But my head says no, my heart says yes. Normally you mm. should pass your head, but uh, uh, you've... Reached into the uh, into the cookie jar by the looks of it, haven't you? Uh, yeah. Well, no. um, no. well, <laughs> go back now. Yeah, um, I I have I have reached into the cookie jar. Um, we we yet to find out what's in the cookie jar, whether my hand gets bitten off or or I pull out a cookie. Um, but yeah, I. I just I liked the runs both from Brooklyn Hustle and September Run last time uh, in South Australia, so those were two horses that I I thought I had to have something on uh, in this race. September Run has done an absolute three hundred and sixty on me, uh, or a one hundred and eighty on me, and in in her last three runs has just yeah completely turned the tables on the form that she was showing prior to that, which I absolutely love. Um, and you, yeah, mares in form, you know what they say. Um, so September run is definitely one that I, um, I'm honestly not sure how she's $17. Like I know it's a really, I know it's a really open market. So, 
it's hard to get a much shorter given like the third favorite. So $11, like there's not really much of a price difference there, but when you're comparing a September run to Apache chase, really, I don't know. Or is it just me? Um, but yeah, September run and, and Brooklyn hustle were the two I took out of the, the South Australian form line there, but there were a few form lines that, um, that I wanted to sort of look into um, just to sort of be safe. The two horses that I, or the, yeah, one of the horses that I like in general, I think is really, really consistent is Ellsberg. And at $13, you know that Ellsberg is going to be one of the horses towards the front of the, the field. Uh, even though he's drawn a wider barrier, he'll be up there and he'll be fighting out the finish. He'll be plugging away. Um, one thing I found really interesting with Ellsberg was like, if you look at Ellsberg's run in the Doncaster leading up that field, it wasn't the right conditions to be, to be leading there and, and got sort of steamrolled late by some horses. But if you look at the horses that beat Ellsberg there, Mr. Brightside, Unthunderstruck or Forbidden Love, like what price are you talking about any of those horses in this race? And you got Ellsberg who's going to be, like I said, giving himself every chance up on the speed and he's $13. Um, I can't see him drifting re realistically only coming in. Uh, Nashra Willer aboard as well is, is an exceptional booking. So Ellsberg for me, September run and Brooklyn hustle out of the South Australia form and uh, Palel. I, I wanted to go with Intrivier, but Palel sucked me in and I'm going to be filthy if um trivia ends up winning because that, I would have gone the other way um, with my main win bet here, but the Mazu form line and then the Everest form line is, uh, I don't think it's up for debate, the best sprinting form for this race. And I don't think the 1300 meters is going to be that much of an issue for Pillow, who's a horse that likes to warm up late in the races anyway. It's only an extra 100 metres. It's not like he's getting up to 1,400 or a mile where, you know, it's a completely different ball game. It's only an extra 100 metres and he's typically running on. So, um, yeah, J-Mac Cummings, that form line, even though he's a three-year-old, like I said, I, I'm going against my own intuition here. So I'll be I'll be absolutely livid if, if he runs a shit race and a trivia wins. But um, Palel, for me, is... Yeah, deserve deserve it to be that short with the form lines that he's got, and I'm I'm happy to back him here. All right, listeners, the time you've all been waiting for the Hong Kong hero is back, and he's got plays <laughs> for you to follow on Sunday. He does. That's right, Jason. Thank you. Um, yeah, we are. It's it's actually I, I had a look at this card for for Sunday. Just had to double check it wasn't Saturday. Um, yeah, I had a look at, for, at this card and wow, it's actually, it's, there's no, there's no massive feature race. We, the feature race is a, is a group three, the Lion Rock trophy um, for any of you diehard Hong Kong followers, if you know what that is. Um, but yeah, it's a group three race over 1600 meters, but far out from front to back, this card is, is really, really competitive. And there are some really, really interesting races. So I, don't have enough time to talk about all of them here, but keep an eye out on Sunday for the tips. Um, I'll have plenty of write-ups and and all that jazz uh, for you to read then. But just to mention two horses running on Sunday that um, sparked my interest were in that feature race, Cheerful Days, who is a horse I'm absolutely in love with. Um, dream about him every night because he's won me so much bloody money this season. It is ridiculous. He went on a on a on a run from class four up to competing in group one level and won six of his seven starts on the way there. Uh, he's lost, he's run seventh and ninth in his last two starts. Um, but Alexi Bedell jumped off and he went from 1600 meters to 2000 meters and went into group two and group one level and the blinkers came off. All of those things change on Sunday. He drops into group three level, which is, he can be a little bit more competitive in, I think. Gets back to the mile, which is basically the distance he won, went on that massive winning streak on. Gets the blinkers back on and gets Alexi Bedell back on, who won aboard this horse in 
all except two of those runs. So Alexi Bidot has a phenomenal record on the horse and probably loves him as much as I do now because he would have won Alexi a lot more money than he won me, right? So keep an eye out for cheerful days. I don't know what price you're going to get, but I think it'll be decent because there are some pretty good horses in this field, uh, namely excellent proposer who I also love, who is an ex-Aussie. Um, but yeah, he's a bit of a non-winner. So cheerful days, keep an eye out, race seven. And the horse that I want to mention as sort of the main horse to follow, who I think will be a good bet, um, depending on the price, but he should be fairly short, um, is money catcher in race three. Zach Purton rides from barrier five. He gets up to the 2,000 metres. I think that's suitable for the horse. Um, he ran in the four-year-old series um, over the 1,800 metres and the 2,000 metres in the two last uh, races of the series. And he actually ran third in both of those races from towards the front, like on, on speed, I guess is what I should say. I don't know why that was so hard to speed out. He ran third from on speed in those two races. And he finds a race here over 2,000 metres, class two level. Um, that that four-year-old series form is absolutely phenomenal. Most of the horses that have come out of it have either won or run really well in the races since. And this race sets up really well for him because I think he'll get basically the lead on his own or be able to just take a sit leaders back behind anything that decides to go hammer and tongs up front, which I can't see any of these horses doing. Regardless, this pace should be very, very slow, which will suit him because he's obviously going to settle on speed. So I think, I don't think he'll be getting anything crazy in terms of odds, but I think he'll be a horse to, that's worth backing. Um, Frankie Law and Zach Purton combination is a phenomenal combination there. You've got the best jockey and one of the best trainers um, training him. So Keep an eye out for money catcher. Not sure what price you'll get, like I said, but I'm expecting sort of two to three dollar range. Um, anything more than that is definitely a, a bet, but even in that range, is probably worth backing because I think he'll be winning in race three. Lovely. That was Blake's Hong Kong early reads for Sunday. Now we've got our own hundred dollar competition to get straight into. Not sure what the figures are. We're gonna to have to dust that up through the week and get back to you listeners on. I don't think I want to. I don't think I want to dust up those figures, Chase. We have to. You, you gotta be. You gotta be honest. You'll be transparent with the brothers. The brothers out there. The brothers and sisters. I'm sure there's some sisters. Hey, to be fair, I caught it back a little bit. The Doncaster Mild Day, Hitotsu and Nature Street both got up, so I made minor, minor gains on an extreme deficit. So, <laughs> a bit like the Australian government. Um, we're in massive deficit right now. Oh, it's going to get worse with... Um, yeah, it's, it's probably going to get worse for me as well. So. Let's not talk politics on this show. <laughs> it's just, I love when my mum comes back with a, with a green piece of paper in her hands. I'm like, what the fuck did you do? Um, anyway. <laughs> you know, okay, you know what? Since we're here, you know what I find? Absolute hypocrisy. You know how the greens, mm. they carry on about, you know, save our... <laughs> save our trees and this and that. What are they handing out when you're going to vote? Paper and a shitload of it. Like, save your own bloody trees, for goodness sakes. Then then we'll save our trees. Far out. Anyway, that might be a really ignorant comment. If we've lost people, I'm very, I apologise. Um, oh, if we're losing that, people to that, I don't think they should be listening. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously, it's common sense. Like, I'm so yeah. glad. Oh, God, thank Like, I, I'll, obviously, I voted liberal. Um, but, at the same time, it's just I'm glad Labor got in as a majority and not bloody minority because then, oh, God, all these little parties would have started popping up and, oh, my God, anything could have happened. We could have lost our fucking four-legged friends, the greyhounds or the horses. Anything could have happened. Oh, no. Oh. Not the four-leggers. Oh, it's not the four-leggers, friends. Anyway, um, Dubin Cup, $100. Where are you spending it, big sir? Well, um, I'm... <sighs> I've gone with the strategy of, of spreading spreading my money for these races. I want to I want to keep clawing back this this deficit slowly but surely. So if I don't find a winner out of all of these bloody horses, there's something wrong. I'm having 15 each way on Yonkers, 20 to place on Great House, and 50 to place on Cucaracha. I am going hundred dollars to win on Cucaracha. Place, place. You're surely not backing him against Arky, are you? Oh, sorry, sorry. $100 place. I'm so out of it right now. It's not even funny. I'm yeah. trying to feel like some CG syndications post. Yeah, but you better not win now because <laughs> or you'll have yeah, it out for me. Like, <laughs> no, no, $100 a place. At, what was it, like 270 280 But obviously, we'll get mid-tote on the day. So uh, race eight, Queensland Derby. Where's the $100 going, Blake? 
30 each way paternal, 20 each way kibosh. You? 50 each way southern stock. I, I genuinely think yeah. southern stock. Like I, I was watching the replay again when I was talking about him and he didn't, he made a mid-race move. So, mm. so strong to the line. I reckon he'll run 4,000 this horse. Might be one, <laughs> might be one for the hurdles. <laughs> um, the Grand National. Yeah. <laughs> Race nine, this has got to be a licorice all sorts from yourself. You've even gone against one of my bloody rules that I've given you. And you anyway, what's all right? It's all right. Yeah, I, I, I was, I, listen, I almost had to go into the sense because like there were so many horses I wanted to back. I couldn't put a dollar on each and, and be spending less than a hundred. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I've narrowed it down slightly from that. But Narrowed um, it down. Yeah. <laughs> from where i was you should have seen you should have seen i had more horses to tip than were in the race you have 10 each way september run world. 10 each way ellsberg 10 each way brooklyn hustle and 40 to win Pelel. if i don't find a bloody winner man you've, you've picked a quaddy literally <laughs> you've picked hey, a i won't, I won't be complaining if they run if they run the first four. Oh yeah you'll be somewhere in the bahamas on monday morning um mm. be there I'll be there with Trent after that Mr. Brightside pick. Bloody hell. Intriguing to know of the runners you left out, who is the most likely in your hood? Um, well, I have to say in Trivier because she was the one that I was going to put in and I lent the way of Palel for the reasons I outlined earlier in the pod. But there are actually, there are lit- legitimately so many claims for so many of these horses. It's absurd. Like I, the other one I didn't mention that is huge odds is Private Eye. I don't know how Private Eye is $18. Like he was like benchmark form for open sort of 12 to mile company before he bombed out in the Doncaster. So like he's been trialing phenomenally since then. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Like $18 is juicy. Signore Fox ran really well last time. Jamea is down at like $26, obviously a three-year-old, but Berry's on and Berry's absolutely in love with that horse, that filly. We've spoken about that before, but there are so many chances in this race. It's absurd. So yeah, I just hope I, I just hope I find one. <laughs> so it wasn't on Trivier, the one runner that you left out. Yeah. yeah. All right. hundred dollars went on, on Trivier. Uh, that will round us up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, so the funny thing is more often than not, this will win. Uh, 11-11. 11.11 at $13, not $11. So um, poor joke once again. I'm not getting good at these jokes. Bad pun. Uh, H. Bowman, big ride. Group one winner number 102 coming up, I think it is. Might be so far off of that number. I have no idea. But uh, yes, 50 each way on 11.11. I like to keep it short and sweet. Could have had a little nibble on Brooklyn Hustle at a big price if she wins. Mm. God help me. Um and then other than that, like, honestly, like, yeah, you can make a case for every single run in this race. But, mm. you know, I don't, I don't like watching six runners every race. I'd rather just watch one. <laughs> <Get glued. laughs> I'd get glued to the TV watching one. Because if I pick six of them, they'll, they'll all just, like, go to the front and, like, ruin each other's chances knowing my life. <laughs> so um, we'll, just, we'll just pick one and hope that, you know, Blake's mm. four horses decide to want to run a muck up in front. Mm. Other than that, I think... Good. I think we're all, uh, oh, yeah, sorry, best bets. I was going to say, I think we're all done, but we, you've got quite a few. You, obviously, you've had a, a few issues in the in the break, in the in the, in the pain. Hey, listen, I just, I I, I got I'm a little bit excited, that. Jason, because it's been a while since we've done a podcast. So I, I genuinely spent some time preparing for this one. <laughs> well, I luck, luckily you're chasing. We might need to put the blinkers on you next time just to, <laughs> to hone you in on something. But uh, tell the viewers your three tips for Saturday. Uh, yeah, so um, what I've been doing lately is keeping a pretty stringent black book. Um, just a bit of background knowledge there for these these three horses, and they're all in it. Um, the first of them is Eagle Farm Race 3, Hungry Heart. Um, fairly short, but I think she's been going sort of flying under the radar, and she's been racing in huge, huge races so far this prep. Um, just has really struggled to find a suitable race, I thought. Um She's she's even been entered in you know some races and been scratched from heavy tracks and this and that. Um, she'll definitely find somewhat of a dry track this time. It obviously won't be bone dry, which is how I think she probably best likes it. But it'll definitely be more suitable here anyway than than has been so far in her prep. And she's coming right back um, 
right back in, in class here. So she's one to keep an eye on. Um, I think she should be winning that race. The next is Eagle Farm Race 6, Kissum. Uh, Kissum absolutely stormed home last time for second and has run second last two runs. So I think um, double figure odds is is more than worth having a having a play on Kissum there. And the third of them is Randwick Race 7, Surreal Step. So, um, yes, Surreal Step, hard to beat. New camp, Brad Whittup's stable now. Uh, I'd expect him to be third up. Like, he's had two really good runs in, in better company. So, uh, I like that tip. Yeah. I like the first one. I'm yeah, sorry sorry about that. I had a, had a little bit of an interruption in uh, in the office, in the home office. But, um, yeah, no, just Surreal Step's been in my black book all prep. Um, and yeah, the, I thought the last, I, I remember watching two starts ago when Cyril Step ran, I think third was a really, really nice run from the back of the field. And then last time complete forgive was held up a long, long way, got out and then stormed home and was just sort of just off the leading division in the finish. Um, so I think this is, this is a, a touch easier. Um, and yeah, it's definitely winnable. Beautiful. And if you want my best bet, you can buy it, cginsight.com.au. <laughs> um, start off with a $17.95 uh, a week, three best bets, weekly subscription. Other than that, Blake, I'd like to thank you for jumping back on board. Uh, and also follow the socials, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Campbell's Gambles, and Dabble, at Campbell's Gambles. Thank you to Dabble once again for supporting us. Uh, and other than that, any anything to finish us off on? No, just um, yeah, just give give dabble a give dabble a little uh, a little dabble. Have a little dabble on dabble, dabble on dabble. That's how right. we finish the show. All right, listeners, best of luck. Big race scene on. Hey, and um, listeners, if you if you're tuning in next week, we might actually be having a podcast for two weeks in a row. So um, mm. yeah, definitely tune in next week if you enjoyed. The first podcast back in a while. Um, we'll try and keep it more consistent from here on out. So hope you enjoyed and good luck this weekend.